Well, good morning. Good morning. Ah, a little better. Good morning. All right, thank you. I'm Steve. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Friends Church, and it is good to be back in the saddle this past week. Uh, thank you for allowing Sheila and I to head out of town, out of state for a, a week to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary, and that was lots of fun. And uh, yeah, she put up with me for 40 weeks, 40 years. Did I say weeks? Years. 40 years. Yeah. 40 years. And uh, so, get that right. But it's good to be back, and it's good to be back, and especially in this time of year and celebrating together uh, this Christmas season. Don't forget uh, information in your program there about Christmas Eve, 2, 4, and 6, and 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock, we have child care. Looking forward to uh, just a great family time together, so invite your neighbors, your friends, your family, and it's going to be a, a wonderful service as we uh, have a candlelight and all the things that go with our Christmas Eve celebration. Looking forward to that. Hopefully you are too. But uh, we are in the midst of our series leading up to Christmas called Hope's Journey. And uh, to kick us off, or our base scripture for this mess series has been out of the book of Romans. Uh, most likely, I would say, probably my favorite book of the Bible. I, I love uh, Paul's writing of Romans and how he starts off right off in chapter 1 of calling us out for our sin. We are sinners. And then he says the law was given, but the law did nothing really more than point out our sin to us. It didn't draw us closer to the Lord. It, it actually proved to us that we were still sinners and that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then we see in chapter 4 of Romans, finally, that... that um, Paul introduces Christ, and he says, God sent Christ into the world, and he brought him here to draw him, to justify us, to reconcile us to him through his death and through his resurrection when we believe on him. And so it's, it's with that foundation and that statement that we come to chapter 5 of Romans. And Paul's just laid out, we can believe in Christ, we can have this life. And he says, since therefore we have been justified, through faith, we are at peace with God. Isn't that great? Since we've been justified through faith, we, we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's Jesus who has done it. It's Jesus who has, who has done the work. And now we get to enjoy the benefits. We get to enjoy the peace with God. And it's through that faith that we stand in this grace today that Jesus Christ has given us new life. And then it's with that that he says, and this is the passage we've been looking at out of Romans chapter 5 here. It says, he says, and therefore we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We've been given this new life. We've been given peace. We've been justified. And so we boast in the hope of the glory of God. What a glorious hope. And we're going to talk about that as we continue to, to move on. And we talk about God's glory. Hang on to that thought. We're coming back there. It's the glory of God that we are hoping for. And he says, but in the meantime, we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And that's where Eric has been the last two weeks as we've talked about our, our, our journey of, of suffering and our journey of endurance that takes patience. But the goal of a Christian life, the goal is not to suffer. I mean, we, we suffer as part of the journey, but it's not the goal. The goal is not to endure. It's, it's something we need to do, and, but that's not the goal. The goal is the hope. The goal is the hope and the glory of God but there's one more step. There's one more step that Paul brings out today 
And he says, our suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. Character. Now that's a somewhat nebulous term. What does it mean? Some folks says, I can't really explain it, but I know it when I see it, right? You know character when you see it. We also tend to make judgments very quickly on people's character. In fact, sociologists tell us a lot of times we'll make that judgment call within 30 seconds to a minute of meeting somebody if they got good character or bad character. Do they open the door for me when I'm going to the store? Do they treat the clerk properly, kindly? Do they, how do they treat the waiter? How do they treat the waitress? How do they treat their spouse? Are they humble? Are they arrogant? Do they, do they, bla- do they, do they gossip? Do they complain? And we make those judgments. Some people have said, I judge people's character on how my dog reacts to them. <laughs> if my dog hates them, they must, they must have poor character. Now, if your dog hates everybody, I would say don't use that method. You know? but, but, but some of us, we, we judge character by all kinds of things. Uh, President Ronald Reagan used to say, you could tell a lot about a man's character by the way he eats his jelly beans. Yeah, and if you know, remember President Reagan, he had a bowl of jelly beans all the time sitting on his desk. Others have said that we, our character is shown in the way we live our lives, not in where we sit on Sunday morning. Ooh, that sounds a little meddling, doesn't it? Our character is revealed and demonstrated and shown by how we live our lives, not by where we sit on Sunday morning. So what is character? I started when I, st- when I knew I had this topic to, to do what you might have done. I, I started Googling, you know, what is character? How do you know if you got character and things like that? And so I, but I started with what is, what is godly? What is Christian character? And one of the first things I came upon was, I believe, a blog or something. But it, it lists 49 godly character traits. I said, okay, well, I can start there. And actually, if I preach through these, one a minute, we'll be done in 49 minutes. <laughs> But 49 seems like a lot to work on to me. I have trouble with one or two, don't you? And so I think, okay, well, let's pick. What if I just stuck with the Ds? Well, here are some of the, they're in alphabetic order. Here are some of the Ds of godly character traits. Decisiveness, dependability, determination, diligence, discernment, discretion. Okay. Well, you know, we can add another 44 to that or something. And we start to think about this thing, character is maybe a little more, t- a little tougher to put our finger on than we thought. How do you get character? What is character? Well, Paul kind of answers the question right off the bat a little bit. He says, you know, character, he says, starts with suffering, which leads to perseverance. Actually, most of us have learned that, right? We've, we've learned that at a young age. We learn that, that the character comes through this, this suffering and perseverance. In fact, you might be like our friend Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes here. Uh, I love that little fella. He says, why can't we get a snowblower? We must be the only family in the world that still shovels the driveway by hand. I'm freezing. Dad says it builds character. <laughs> Keep at it. 
How many of us have been on the, either the receiving end or the giving end of that kind of advice? It builds character. I'm going to dump on you, but it's going to build character. Or you're going to dump on me, and, and it's going to build character. You know, just, just, just hang in there. You know, I was looking at that. At our house, it always seemed to work the other way around. It was me shoveling and the kids saying, hey, Dad, it builds character. I don't know. I, it's, but uh, I guess that's the way it works for some of us. So we learn that at an early age. We learn that, that this, this endurance, this life we go through, and especially this time of year, this, this endurance, but it builds and works at building character. But what is character? I've settled after looking and checking and Googling, and I, everybody has a definition of character. I mean, there are so many definitions, so many quotes out there, but I kind of settled on this definition for us today. It says this, a person's character is the sum of his or her disposition, thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions. It's not just one. It's just not two. It's the sum of all of them. We could start with the sum of the 49 that are listed in what I looked at here. It's, and, and it's not, it's not well, I, you know, you can have one or, or not have another. I can be honest, but I won't, don't want to be gentle. I, you know, I can do that. No, it's, it's the sum of all of them that... that, that is our character. But it's interesting, though, when I look at this passage in Romans chapter 5, and I look at the word that Paul chose for character, the word is dokime, dokime. And it's, it's not the typical word that would be used for character. Uh, if, if you're just saying, addressing somebody's character, it, it would have been a different Greek word. This Greek word dokime means it's, it's a deeper word. It's a stronger word. In fact, some of your translations may have used a different two words for that. It's not just character, but it's proven character. Proven character. It's, it's, it's not just saying, I have this, but I've demonstrated that this, this personality trait, this character is mine. I've been through the trials. I've been through the suffering. I've been through the tribulation. I've persevered. I've stuck with it. And I have this proven character. Suffering brings perseverance, brings proven character. It might be why the King James Version, the writers of the King James Version, use the word, instead of character, use the word experience. It's, it's, it's I have experienced this. There was a man in the late 19th century, his name was Richard Francis Wymouth. Wymouth was a, a New Testament scholar. He was also a, a, an expert, a scholar in languages, including Greek and, Greek and English. In fact, he spent 60 years, 60 years perfecting his Greek and his English. And he was into literature and he did a lot of writing. And, and he was a very, very intelligent person. And he spent a lot of time in the scriptures and looking at the Greek scriptures and, and taking them and saying, okay, what do they mean? And how could, what, what would be a modern Greek? And what would be a modern English? He was, he was in England in the late 1800s. And so he started putting together this, this Bible that was the Wymouth Bible. It's known as the New Testament in Modern Speech. The New Testament in Modern Speech. It was actually published in 1903, a year after his death. But here's this expert in Greek and an expert in English, and he spent 60 years in, in, this, in this pursuit of understanding Scripture and getting all the, all the specific um, nuances of the verses. And in the, it's interesting, in the preface to his New Testament, he writes this. 
He says, any utterly ignorant or utterly lazy man with little ingenuity can translate word for word. <laughs> he says, you know, anybody can take the Greek and translate word for word. He said, all you need is a dictionary and a, and a good grammar book. That's all you need. He said, any utterly ignorant or lazy man can do that. But he says there's nuances. In fact, what he called it is there are delicate shades of meaning. Delicate shades of meaning in these words, in both English words and in the Greek words. And they are important. And so sometimes he says, sometimes you take the Greek word and you might have to use two English words. Well, when he translated this Romans 5 passage, the words he used for character are this. Ripeness of character. Ripeness of character. I, I spent a lot of time meditating and thinking about that translation and why it's so important here, this delicate shade of meaning. You know, I've been through trials. I've been through suffering. And now my character has been developing. And the goal, the goal is not just to have character. The not goal is to have a proven character, but it's to have a ripeness of character. It adds more meaning, I think, to what Paul writes in our scripture for today in Galatians chapter 5. We'll be here for a little bit. In Galatians chapter 5, a very prominent, famous passage of Scripture. He says this in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When I think of the ripeness, the ripeness of character, translated to fruit. I also like this because it takes us back to the farming analogy that Pastor Eric used last week from James. That when we're, when we're patient, we're like the farmer who plants and he doesn't have much control over what happens after that. Oh, he can water, he can weed, he can cultivate, he can do all whatever he needs to do. But in the end, it's God who brings the growth. And the goal, though, is not just to go through all that effort. The goal is not to suffer. The goal is not to wait. The goal is to have a harvest of ripe vegetables, fruit, grain, whatever that may be. The goal is ripeness, ripeness. And when applied to our character, when we go through these parts of, of suffering, when we go through these times of, of tribulation, when we, when we are patient, the goal is that our character becomes ripe, mature, complete. But it takes time. It takes time. You know, sometimes our gifts, gifts, we, we, Paul also talks about gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about that before. We might, have a gift that, we might have a gift of healing, a gift of tongues, a gift of preaching, a gift of hospitality. And we get those gifts, and normally we can start using those right away. Now, some gifts of teaching and others may, may take some honing. But we, we still, once we get a gift, we have it. And so we appreciate the gifts we have. Oh, but the fruit. Ah, the fruit. It doesn't get this way overnight, folks. Oh, I want to take a bite of this so bad. Oh, this fruit's good. The fruit takes time. To get to the ripeness that God desires sometimes takes some suffering, and some endurance, some patience. 
But there's a point where we get to where the fruit makes your mouth water. Say, I want that. I want that. It's interesting. This, um, this analogy that Paul uses of fruit just kind of pops in this scripture. He's not talking about fruit beforehand. He doesn't talk about fruit afterwards. It's just there's something about this analogy of fruit that I think goes back to Wymus, the, the rightness of our character that just draws Paul into saying, this is the best we can do to illustrate our character, to illustrate what God wants to do in our lives. Because just before this, he's mentioning just the opposite. In fact, just before this, he's drawn a very stark contrast to fruit. He starts in verse 19 with this. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And he starts listing a lot of things that have nothing, not even remotely on that list of 49 Christian godly character traits. <laughs> it's this, uh, sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, and factions, fractions. No, we're not fractions. Factions. <laughs> Some of you math people might, yeah, you don't want that. Um, frac- factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And we have these lists, just like we had the list of the good things. On, and, and, and we can focus on those, but I want us to look this, this morning. It says, the acts of the flesh. These are, the, these are what comes from me. These are from us. These are self-generated. These have nothing to do with God. These are us acting on our own. And he says, here's the point. He says, when you're acting on your own, when you're acting on, out of your flesh, when you're acting strictly selfishly and, 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 and the way that, that Satan would have us, we're going to be that, committing the acts of the flesh. But then he draws the contrast in verse 22 when he says, but, but the fruit of the Spirit. Notice he didn't say the fruit of the flesh, right? He didn't say the fruit of the, this isn't the things I can do on my own. It's like last week when Pastor Eric was talking when we plant the farmer plants and he says, okay, now, Lord, it's in your hands. It's got to be in your hands because I can't do anything more. When God is working on us, when his spirit is working, the, the fruit of the spirit is, is, is a result of our relationship with him. The fruit of our spirit is what shows what is evident when we draw close to him. The love, the joy, the peace is the evidence the evidence. And if we are claiming to be a Christian, if we're claiming to be what Paul said in Romans chapter 4 and then 5, that we have allowed, we've confessed the Lord, we believed in the name of Jesus Christ for our salvation, to be justified, at peace with God, then our lives should reflect it, and the fruit we exhibit should also reflect it. St. Ambrose said this, you are sort of an imposter, when your profession and your practice disagree. You are a sort of imposter when your profession and your practice disagree. When you're professing to be a Christian, I profess to believe, but our practice does not show it. Then we are an imposter. Peter also wrote about these attributes, these godly attributes. He didn't call them fruit of the Spirit, but they're very similar, and they're found in 2 Peter chapter 1. And and he writes this list, and it's interesting, he says this. Make every effort. Did you get that? Make every effort. 
Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Many of these are on those list of godly attributes that were listed on that blog that I found. Because these are the things that God says, these are, the, these are, although he doesn't call them fruit here, these are the fruit, these are the results of living life where you are following Christ. But, I, but what he says next is most interesting. He says this, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, fruit doesn't grow every not, overnight, does it? It takes time. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we, are we, when we look at our character, when we're looking at all those things that, that make up us in our character, all those personality attributes, all those things of the fruit of the Spirit and everything that Paul let, or Peter lists in, in, in 2 Peter there, are we... In increasing measure, increasing measure, are we moving forward? There's a, oh, he's a business guru. He's a, he's a leadership guru who works with businesses, and uh, he's, he does a lot of advice. His name's John Mertz, and he um, works a lot with millennials and younger, and so he's, he's got a... a kind of a following and, and, and works with a lot of large businesses. But, but he has this statement, which I think is really great. He says, character erodes or grows. Get that? Character erodes or grows. Our character builds over time. And if it's not building, it's eroding. He says, each choice and action we take adds or detracts from our character. Every choice, every action we make, every action we take either adds to our character or detracts from our character. He says this, and listen to me if you're under, oh, let's pick a number. You're under 25 years old. We cannot waste our youth pursuing things that neuter or subtract from our character. I noticed, I'm, I'm not a Greek guru like uh, Weymouth, but I noticed in the Greek it didn't say for, you know, this about possessing qualities of increasing measure is only for those over 25 or 30 years old. Peter doesn't say you can go around and sow your wild oats for the first 20, 25 years and not affect your character. In fact, Mertz would say that we are, when we do that, we are digging ourselves a character hole. And sometimes it can take a lifetime to get out of. We start building our character, and especially as a Christian, we start building our character that moment that we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. The moment he begins to work in our lives, the moment we are forgiven, the moment we're justified, the moment we have peace with God, we start to build a character. And that character is in conformity with the, the fruit of the Spirit and the list that, that Peter made there. It's a, it's a character-building exercise to develop fruit. 
and you're never too young to start working on your character. On the flip side, he says this, equally true, we cannot spend our older years tearing down the character we built. It doesn't say here that once you hit 55 or 60 that you're matured, you're, you got it all set. No, it says keep increasing. Keep increasing your measure, your fruit. Don't stop. You either erode or you grow. What are you going to do? Has anybody here got all the kindness, all the self-control, all the love, all the peace, all the patience that you don't need anymore? <laughs> if you um, raised your hand, you need a little more humility. No. <laughs> <coughs> no, no, we can keep growing. It doesn't make any difference that you're 50, 60, 70, 80. No matter how old you are, your fruit is still growing. It's either growing or it's eroding. Keep growing in your fruit. Keep growing. Billy Graham says, when wealth is lost, nothing's lost. When health is lost, something's lost. When character is lost, everything is lost. Like most of you, probably like most of the United States, like most of the world, last night, from 7 till 11, 11.30, I was watching the Golf Channel. What, you weren't? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I, I, it was so exciting. If, if you're a golf fan, there's this tournament going on called the President's Cup, and it's a, it's a team sport where the United States takes on the world in golf. And it was down to the last round. And usually that last round would start here today and be going. But they were playing in Australia. Which meant I got to turn it on at 6 or 7 o'clock. And I got to watch the whole last round. I confess I did go to sleep. To bed a little before the end. Because I had to preach this morning. <laughs> but as I was watching with you and the rest of the world. We were all watching the Golf Channel last night. <laughs> I was reminded of character, and how quickly character, a reputation, which is different than character, but a reputation can be lost when our character falters. It's been in the news and <clears throat> in the internet feeds over the last few weeks. It's been 10 years since the greatest golfer, maybe of all time, Tiger Woods, who everybody thought was this great family man and, and who built his character, who built his reputation based on, based on this being a, being a strong character and, and being t t tough under pressure, that's for sure. It was right around Thanksgiving when middle of the night, car ran into some bushes, a fire hydrant or something, and crashed his car and found out that he had some substance issues, some abuse issues, infidelity issues. Character flaws. And so it's so easy. A reputation that you spend years building can crash. And we can give example after example after example after example. When our character is not the fruit that needs to be. When it's not ripe. We've let it rot a little bit. We've let it get a little, maybe it didn't, maybe didn't mature enough. Maybe we, when it got, when it was hard and small, we'd say that's enough. Our character needs to be strong. Our fruit is either growing or it's eroding. It doesn't mean we don't sin. It doesn't mean we're perfect. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. I believe a man of character. He had a moment of sin. But it's, but it's continually have a heart that wants to grow and become more like God, to become more like him. Is that us today? 
I would suggest to you, and I think Jesus would suggest to us, that that's really important. In fact, when he talks to his disciples in John chapter 15, he says this in verse 1, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Today, are you, are you ripe in your fruit? How's your joy? How's your love? How's your peace? How's your forbearance? How's your kindness? How's your goodness? How's your faithfulness? How's your gentleness and self-control and all the list that Peter would have and all those other attributes that we think are godly attributes? You see, God wants us to be fruitful. God says we should be bearing fruit. Paul says, Peter says, we need to be bearing fruit in our character. And Jesus is saying that God believes this so much, he's going to invest in you. He's going to invest in you, and if you're not bearing, he will help you out. (laughs) He will prune. He will prune. Ah, suffering, difficulties, endurance. Sometimes, sometimes those may be some pruning. There's another guy I ran into in over the last week or so. His name's Mark J. Young. Mark is an interesting individual. He was a pa- been a pastor. He's done a lot of teaching. He's been a he's singer. He's traveled. But he is the chaplain of the Ameri- it's the Christian Gaming Association. So I didn't even know Christian Gaming has an association, and I didn't even know they even had a chaplain. But they've uh, but I've been reading some of the things because I was reading something he wrote about uh, fruit, and he was talking about our, our need to grow, and and he's speaking here, and he says he said when he looks at this thing about this this pruning of God, he says he said I call this what he calls the fertilization factor, <laughs> the fertilization factor. He says we all need if we want to be fruit, we got to be willing to accept the fertilization. We all need to be accepting God's pruning, God's working in our lives. We need to be diligent through the suffering, through the difficulties, and allow God to work in us. Fruit of the Spirit. Love. Oh, you know, it's easy to love those who love us. What about when God sends someone your way who's not so lovely? That's a little fertilizer. <laughs> you might say, yeah, they're fertilizer, all right. <laughs> Maybe God's sending them you to give, make you more lovely. You know, for most of us, we want to experience joy, but a lot of times we just experience happiness. You know what happiness is? Happiness is when you're happy because what you wanted to happen happens. But what happens when it just happens that what you wanted to happen doesn't happen? And you don't have the happiness because what you had wanted to happen didn't happen, and now you want something else to happen. Well, if you can rejoice through that, you have joy. And so sometimes the thing you want to happen doesn't happen. Maybe that's God's fertilizer. Just a little better quality fruit. What's peace without conflict? What's patience without a little bit of trial? As Young says, if you pray for the fruit to grow, you're going to get hit with the fertilizer. <laughs> if you pray for the fruit to grow, you're going to get hit with the fertilizer. But it's interesting. Jesus didn't stop there. In fact, in John chapter 15, he, he adds this in verse 8. He says, this is to my Father's glory 
that you bear much fruit. Remember I said we're coming back to glory? We hope for the glory of God. It's to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit. And listen to this, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How does somebody know you're God's disciple? How does somebody know that we claim him? It's, how's your fruit basket looking? How's your fruit? If you're bearing much fruit, if your fruit is ripe and you have a ripeness of character, people go, whoa, disciple of the Lord. Oh, disciple of Christ. That's him. That's her. Young says this, finally, the kind of fruit which grows on the outside reflects the nature of the tree. The kind of fruit that grows on the outside reflects the nature of the tree. You show yourselves to be my disciples. What you are on the outside, your character reflects the God that you serve. Your character reflects the God who saves you. Your your character reflects Jesus Christ when you're bearing fruit. That's why it's important. Rightness. I love that. Rightness of character. Is your character ripe? Are you laying God to work on you? James, who we talked about last week, starts his book, his letter, like this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Boy, this is sounding familiar, isn't it? I think you borrowed from Paul here. And he says this, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, proven, ripe, not lacking anything. Is that you today? You know, the Bible's full of examples. We could, we, we could go through, name person after person of pe- persons with character, or we could look at people without character. But there's just one. There's just one I want to mention in the closing. And it's because it's the time of year it is. There's a man who we know is Joseph. We don't know a whole lot about him, but he's the father, earthly father, of our heavenly, of our heavenly, our Savior, our Jesus Christ. It's interesting, Joseph, I don't know how old he was. Some people think he was maybe only 16 or 17, 18, maybe a little older. But you know, I'm guessing that God and this is my words, wouldn't pick a loser <laughs> to be the father, the earthly father of Christ. He would pick a man of character. A man ripe with character. Matthew 1.18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, She was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I can imagine. It doesn't, we really don't know when Joseph found out. Was Mary showing? Did she say, oh, hey, I have something to tell you and you're probably not going to believe it. (laughs) And Joseph said, yeah, you're right. I don't believe that. And so Joseph, who was a man of the law, he kept the law, a man of character, but also a man of compassion, a man of gentleness, says, I I don't want to see this woman stoned, which could have been according to the law. 
It's I'm just going to let her go away quietly. A man of character. But then even more so, when the angel comes, the angel says this in verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Do you know, one of the ways that a father would own up would own the child, that the legal authority saying, I, I, yes, this is my child, is to name that child. If Joseph was going to walk away and turn his back, he would not have been there to name the child. We're told in the Scriptures he was obedient and he gave him the name Jesus. Why is that important? Well, Prophecy tells us that the Messiah would come through the line of David. How did we get there? Through Joseph. If Joseph had said no, if Joseph's character was such that I, I'm going to get revenge on this woman, I'm going to show her, I'm going to take matters in my own hand, we wouldn't have the prophecy. And notice what it says. Because he will save his people from their sins. Paul says, through this faith we have been justified. Through Jesus Christ. We stand in the grace because of Jesus Christ. We today are here because of a man of character, stood up and said, I, I'm going to let my fruit shine. How's your fruit? How's your fruit? How's your fruit basket look this week? Is there something in your character that you say, you know, maybe I ought to think about that. Maybe there's something I need to turn over to the Lord. Maybe even as we come up to uh, New Year's, you say, uh, it sounds like a good New Year's resolution, but why don't you get started on it today? Maybe there's something that you just say, Lord, I need to give over to you because my character is either eroding or it's growing. And right now my character is eroding and I'm digging myself a hole. And I want to reflect you. I want to reflect you. Whatever that might be. Today's a great day to say, Lord, I want to be ripe. I want a ripeness of character. Would you stand with me? As we pray, maybe there's just something in your mind. Uh, and after we pray, we're going to be dismissed. And Pastor Eric and I will be up here. And if you want to come talk, we'll be glad to do that. But I encourage you to take inventory of your fruit basket. Is anything smelly? Anything unattractive. Anything that doesn't belong there. Get ripe. Get ripe. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we come confessing to you what may be a flaw in character. Um, whatever that may be, Lord, it usually would come down to rebellion, disobedience. 
our own selfishness, wanting it our way. And Lord, not yielding to you. Father, I pray that you would help us to yield all of our lives to you. All of our character. All of those things that, Lord, some of them we've wanted to hang on to. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to serve you and, and to, Lord, be that light on the hill and the salt of the earth. The attractive part of the Christian faith. And Lord, help us to be fruit. Fruit that is representative of the one who saves us. The one who helps us day by day, moment by moment, walk through some of these difficult sufferings and trials. The one who sustains us. The one who empowers us. The one who fills us. The one who loves us with an everlasting love that today we can stand in that grace given to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love for us. Help us this week, Lord, to be good fruit. And Lord, help us to remember that um, our character is not based on where we sit on Sunday, but what we do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday in this world, in our lives, and with the people we see and meet. Go with us, empower us, strengthen us. We give you praise in that powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.